whenever you baptize folks. And what's kind of thrilling me today is because of the different stories that these folks have got. Baptism in our tradition is something that you, you actively pursue, you choose as an adult. And what we wanted to do was just to hear their stories for a moment or two. I'm going to ask it in this order. I'm going to ask Cameron first. And uh, Cameron, it's like this is a big moment for us as a church. I've not told them why. They have no idea. They're just, they're just clapping out of sheer joy. <laughs> All right. We've got a whole stack of children and young people in our church and Cameron paving a way for them. And we are delighted. And I'm going to interview Cameron in a minute. And then we're going to interview Annalise, who... Uh, wave, Annalise. And then, uh, Nomi's least, we're going to interview Ian. Just wave, Ian. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. But these are these three. So, Cam, do you want to come and uh, join me? By the way, he's a brilliant drummer as well. That's the other thing about the guy. It's just embarrassing, isn't it? It's just, it just gets worse and worse. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Okay, so Cam, you're going to have to hold that really close yeah, to your yeah. mouth, yeah? So tell us about yourself first. Who are you? What do you do? What are your interests? Just give us a little bit of a, a sketch of your life. All right, um, I'm Cameron. I'm 17. Um, I'm second year of Pendleton College, studying A-levels, graphic design, geography, and um, sport. Um, I love sport, particularly football. Um, used to, well, until my team folded, I was playing football every Saturday. Um, I love music as well, play the drums, um, make music in my spare time, uh, yeah. You do, don't you? It's that sort of urban, grungy stuff. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 but you, you've played it to me and I have no idea. Um, but I know you do. Um, but more importantly than all of that, why are you getting baptised? Why have you chosen to get baptised? Well, my dad's asked me, like, over the past like, couple of years, he's asked me every time my baptism's come up, like, um, do you want to get baptised? And I wasn't sure. I mean, I wanted to, but I didn't know whether it was right then. And um, just when my dad asked me um, that this one was coming up, that Ian was being baptised, I just felt like it was right, um, that um, I was old enough to claim it as, like, my, my beliefs and my faith, and not just me. Um, come into church because my parents take me because I'm old enough now to decide that I want to come myself and I believe it myself, so, yeah. That's a really important statement that actually it's not inherited faith but it's owned faith. That's a really important statement. So what's helped you to get to this point? Um, well, just... Probably because uh, for the main part of us coming to Ealing, I've been out the back. Kids' church has been um, a massive part of that. Um, has just, it been a particularly yeah, good yeah. kids' church yeah, yeah, leader? Yeah, yeah, just learning out. Um, <laughs> not, well, not my mum. Yes, the answer yeah. is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and then over the past four years, um, 
a few of us from the church have been going to a camp that Andrew Alex in Erin run, and that has been like a massive, a massive factor for it. Just going, being able to be surrounded by people at my age that believe the same, and to hear the same thing, you know, hear similar things from people that aren't just your parents, because sometimes it's better to hear it from like other people as well and get to ask them questions you might not want to ask your mum or dad. You can think, we all know how that works. <laughs> We're absolutely with you on um, that. Yeah, and just being surrounded by all them people going there every summer, that's been a massive... Okay. And for those of you, just, just hold that, those two thoughts for a moment. So for Cam, you know, being brought up in, uh, in a Christian home is really important. But the two other things, those of you that week by week go out and do junior church, that's what it results in. And on those Sundays where you wouldn't be normal if you thought, oh, it's me again. That, that faithful sowing makes a difference. You're not wasting your time. And to Alex and Andrew, who are in the cheapest of seats, right at the back, the, the camp and all the, the, the effort you do matters. And I think it's important that you hear that. Okay, Cam, today, what would you want us to pray for? Um, probably um, just for um, me going forward after college, maybe with what I'm going to do, praying for me to, um, you know, um, be clear on what I want to do in the future and whether that's going to uni or not or what kind of path to take. But um, also, more importantly, just that I'll be like a witness to God wherever I go and no matter where I'll be, that I'll, you know, represent the church and represent um, God and my faith. Brilliant. Cameron, we will pray with that. Let's give him a really big round of applause. Well done, mate. Annalise, come and join me. Do you know, folks, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, and some of you will be, getting baptised is the easy bit. This is the difficult bit. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to hold this for you, or can you hold you and read? How long can you hold it? I'll sit down. I'll, I'll leave you the keys if it goes on too long. Okay. If anyone's got lunch in the oven, then please <laughs> go now. Um, I'm sorry about reading this out, but... Oh, I don't like that. No, yeah, there's no point, otherwise okay. I won't hear you. Sorry about having to read it out, but I'm just too nervous to remember it off the top of my head. So, I'll begin. Um, in April 2016, I was given the news that I had breast cancer. It already spread throughout my bones, and it was incurable. I'm sorry. <laughs> I asked the doctor, how long have I got to live? And he said, he couldn't tell me. I had to wait to see a specialist. Um, and I was just to go home and wait for that appointment. So Philip, my husband, and I went home in shock. Neither of us knew what to say to each other. But I had two thoughts in my head. I'd watched two of my closest relatives die horribly of cancer, and I didn't want to put my family through that again, and I couldn't bear the thought of going through it myself. So I decided I had to end it quickly for their sake and for mine. I thought of the ways that I could end it, but I'm a terrible coward, and they were all too horrible to imagine, either for me or for my family. So I went onto the computer to look for painless ways to do it and while I was about to type that in 
a thought came into my head, and it was, don't do that, look for a church. Now, I'd only been to church um, for weddings and funerals, an occasion to dress up, um, and I always considered myself to be an agnostic. I'll believe it when I see it. So I don't know what made me thought to look for a church, but I did, and I googled local churches and up popped Elim. And when I realised it was only 15 minutes away from where I lived, I thought, well, what the heck? I'll go along, I've got nothing to lose. So the following Sunday, Philip and I turned up at the service. And as soon as the band started to play, I started to sob. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> That's not a reflection on you. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> and I sobbed all the way through the service for the whole two hours. And a lovely lady, who I now know to be Janet, sat next to me. She had that honour. <laughs> and she comforted me and talked to me. And I told her what the problem was. And she introduced me to Neil. And Philip and I met Neil in the pub later on that week, because I thought he probably needed a drink to hear my story. Um, and he let me talk for a whole hour. And I told him all about the terrible things that I'd done and how I thought that God was punishing me. And worse still, that he was punishing my family for the things that I'd done. And Neil very kindly listened to me, but he said, it's a great story, it's an interesting story, but I've got a better one. And he told me that no matter what I'd done, I was loved by God, and he was reaching out to me, and I just needed to take his hand. So I've been coming to the church ever since that time, and I found it so, so hard to have faith and believe. Like I said before, I'm the type of person who wants to see something before I'll believe it. So I've prayed for God just to appear before me. I didn't want anything too spectacular. Just a, <laughs> a hallelujah chorus. <laughs> some angels playing the harp yeah. and God coming down on his clouds. It's sort of regular stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I would believe. Yeah. But sadly, I've not had that. But what I've come to realise is that God is here, even if I can't see him standing here, because he radiates through all of you. You've never judged Philip and I. You've just been there for us. And all you've ever shown us is love, care and compassion. Just like God does. I've done a lot of praying recently and over that time. Um, most of the time I'm praying selfish prayers for healing for myself. I've read the Bible, well, quite a bit of the Bible, and I think I've found a version now that I can finally get my head around. And I've been going to Natalie's amazing Wednesday night sessions at the Vine. You don't pay her enough. <laughs> Whatever you pay her, double it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been lovely to hear from Annalise, and um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. Was that in the script? Yeah. No, 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 I, no I, 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 we'll edit it out later. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've learned so much about Jesus and his sacrifice, and how we're all forgiven, and how we're all loved. But all the while, I've still been asking for that visible sign that he's real, that God is real. Believing, but still having those niggling doubts. And last week, while we were singing, 
I heard a voice in my head, just very quietly, but calmly saying to me, I'm here with you. I'm not going to leave you. And whatever's coming, we'll go through it together. And I think that really that's all I've ever really needed to hear. I think that's enough. Natalie very kindly lent me a book recently about overcoming guilt. And in the book, there's an image of a guy sat in a, a jail cell. It's in the dark. But the door of the cell is wide open. And Jesus is stood outside, holding out his hand, just like Neil told me, and telling him to come out into the light. But the guy's saying, no, no, no. You don't know what a terrible person I've done. I don't deserve to come out. Just leave me in here, shut the door and leave me. And I think that's been me for the last two and a half years. So today I think it's, it's finally time to step out of that jail cell and accept his invitation. And I think being baptised is going to be a sign of my accepting his amazing offer. Neil and Natalie are very gently but swiftly going to lower me into the water. <laughs> but I'm finally going to take Jesus' hand and let him lift me out again. Brilliant. 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 Oh, it's good, isn't it? It's good how God finds people. Ian, come and join me. <laughs> I do apologise for the heckling that will come. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. I am. My name's Ian. I'm 57. And uh, unfortunately, in the past, I've had a history of substance abuse. A lot of bad things have happened in my life. And uh, 2008, I lost my job. The, the company I worked for, that was my mum's, went bankrupt. And then about a week later, my mum committed suicide. And because uh, she disappeared, the police first thought it was, I'd, I'd got something to do with it. Anyway, I, I kept it together for about the next 18 months or so, just on my methadone script. But then the, my family just sort of kept away from me. And uh, I started to go off the rails, unfortunately, taking prescription drugs that I was buying on the street, Valium, and uh, slowly just unraveled. Anyway, ended up in prison in 2016. I got me, my script was stopped. And uh, I was in bad shape. I was starving, spending all my money on drugs. Overdosed several times, had septicemia, pneumonia. And uh, one day I was walking with two dogs down Drinkwater Park, and I've known Anne, the family's all our lives. And uh, she asked me how I was, and I can't even remember it to my great shame, but I must have told her, you know, I'm, I'm in a bad place. The house is a wreck, you know, because I'd, I'd just neglected it and myself. And um, she started leaving food on my doorstep like, like a good fairy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
I'd come out and there'd be a bag of, there'd be a bag of food on my doorstep. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And I started thinking, why, why, why is this lady doing this? And, and, and I knew it was connected to her faith. So she started asking me to come round of the house and I'd go around a few times. And I'm ashamed to say sometimes I'd be off my head on Valium just staring at the telly and picking at my shoes and stuff like that and mumbling. We found that that's the best way to go to Annie's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she said, um, why, why don't you come to church? So I, I gave it a bit of time. I didn't want people to think, rise Christian, you know, what's in it for me, sort of thing. So I came. The fir very first time I'd come, I thought that behind me, they'd be pointing to the door, going, there it is, see you, Ian, out you go. Don't want you in here. But in reality, it was like that. Come on, come to me. Leave all the grief here, you know. And... The house got sorted out. People come round slowly. I was shown so much love from the people at this church. Out of badness, goodness, you know. And the house went up for sale. I've moved into somewhere else where I'm happy, fulfilled. I'm not destroying my life with drugs anymore. It's completely turned round. I'm working at the cafe, the vine that's run by the church. I love it with people who I love. Get to meet people every day. I'm fulfilled. And it's been a really dramatic story and one of hope, you know. So why are you getting baptised today? Because I, I just think it's time to take the next step and nail my colours to the mast, to that mast, yeah. that cross, you know. Because I, I want to show some of the love that I've been shown from the people here. What would you want us to pray for? Just that I continue in my journey. Yeah. You know, in my faith, and that it progresses as it has. Because there's, there's been a massively dramatic turnaround in the last couple of years. You know, yeah. is it death's door, literally? Yeah, yeah. You know. Brilliant. Ian, we will gladly pray for you for that. Just stay here with me for a moment. I'm going to ask Cameron and Annalise if you just come back for a moment. We're not going to, we will pray for you as part of the service, but we're not going to do that right now. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right in the next bit I'm going to say. I think Martin Luther said, <laughs> I think he said that when you go through the difficult times and the devil attacks you, what you need to say is, I've been baptised. If he didn't say it, he should have done and if he didn't say it, I said it. So either me or Martin Luther. And I genuinely can't remember if it is Luther, but I think someone said. So this is the thing. This is a community engagement. It's not just individuals. It's actually as a community. So in a moment, I'm going to ask, I'm going to make some statements. And I want you as the church community to shout back to these folk but you've been baptised. All right? Is that, some of you are looking quite confused. Is that too long? I mean, but you've been baptised, okay? And I just want you to shout it really loud, but you've been baptised so they can really hear it. No mumbling business, but you've been baptised, okay? 
you've, in fact, leave the but out because that's too confusing. It's one word too many for some of you. You've been baptized, all right? You've been baptized. When you have days when you wonder if you're loved by God, I want you to know this. When you hear the echoes of the accusation of the past, that you're not worthy and that you're a sinner, I want you to hear this. You've been baptized. When you wonder whether God can actually do anything with you, I want you to know. You've been baptized. This is a marker day. This is a day where you do indeed pin your colours to the mast. It is a day when you say yes to God. It is part of that growth in faith. Because today, let's give him a massive, massive. Brilliant. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done, mate. Well done. Fantastic. Brilliant. If, uh, if you're going to teach and to lead the next generation who are going to get baptised, this is the moment where you're going to go to junior church and the children are going to go with you. But because we don't want a stampede, can you just start gently from the back? Morag. You're going to lead. You're not, I can see you're not at the back. But um, if you can just lead them through. Okay. It's okay. If you are visiting and you've got children, if you'd like to take your children out and we can do the register thing, that'd be brilliant. And then uh, um, just a notice to everyone else who's staying in, once the kids have gone through, uh, if you do need to use the toilet, there's one just through there. Um, unfortunately, once the kids are in, you're not allowed through the back. Um, it's just the way of the world these days. So yeah, there's a toilet through there if you need one. Thank you. Okay. Just while that's happening, we'll just take a little sort of break for a moment. Just uh, catch your breath. Um, just let folks go out and then come back again. Now, it might be that if, uh, if you're standing, you might now be able to get a seat. Um, so if you uh, would like that, there's a, a couple down at the front here. Um, and uh, seats in the middle, if you need that, that would be just, if you find yourself a space, that'd be great. Can I just say, um, as... Uh, that's happening. On your seats um, are two cards, and this is really for folks, it's for everybody, but particularly for folks who belong to our church here. 
Um, on the seat, there's... This card, it's like an audio version of a film. Um, there's a card on your seat, and on the back of it are uh, notifications of three events that we're doing over Christmas. Um, the idea of the card is either one for you to remember and one for you to invite a guest to. But the three events are on the Friday, the 14th of December in the Vine. Uh, we're going to have a Christmas celebration there with music, quizzes, and uh, what have you. And then on the 16th of December, on the Sunday afternoon, we've got a Christmas family service. It's an all-age sort of, uh, it'll involve craft and nativity and all that stuff. What, where we're aiming that, just to let you know, we're aiming it at five-year-olds. Okay? So uh, just to let you know, that our, <laughs> so you'll be fine. Um, so we're aiming it at five-year-olds, and tell you why, because our, our all-age services, we aim around eight, so we're actually going to bring the age profile down a little, because we've got contacts with lots of people, with toddlers and all the rest of it, and we're doing a family carol service, essentially, on that Sunday afternoon. So if you know your family um, who would be up for coming along with you, or indeed yourselves, or your friends, then that would be a great space to bring them in. It would be very enjoyable and easily accessible. And then on Christmas morning, we've got a service together. The other thing, just to let you know, which is much more in-house, but I wonder, Paul, can you just put the announcement slide up? On the 9th of uh, December, so in uh, two Sundays' time, after church, we're going to have a, a party together. It's, just a, it's one of those events in church where you bring food and share it, and we all eat together. We do some games together at just a really en sort of relaxed time, really. But at the end of the service, on the 9th, it... We are great at doing this. We're, we're fantastic. We bring great food, and we share it out really well, and it's always great. But if you can let us know what you want to bring, that helps us, um, just helps us to make sure we've got balance between savory and sweet and all that sort of stuff. So um, if you're part of our Beyond Sunday Facebook group, um, then there's a way you can actually tell us on that group. If you're not part of that group and you'd like to be part of that group, uh, chat to me, and I'll tell you how you can. Um, but if you're much more happy with a pen and a piece of paper than on the, in the foyer there's a place where you can sign up and tell us you're coming and tell us what you'll bring. We hope you'll all come on the 9th of December, or stay, indeed. Let me just reflect with you for a moment um, around some of the stories you've heard, though. Um, I remember um, each of those three people that you heard the stories of, I remember each of them coming to church for the first time. I remember when Ian and Maura came with their lovely family, and uh, you were all made to sit on the front row, and um, we, we were thrilled, actually, because our church was much smaller in those days, and the idea that this family would come and would be part of us, and they came from another church, and it was, it was not, it's not always easy to leave a church and come to a new church, and, um, but you, you, the, of course, the children, you didn't make that decision. <laughs> was made for you. But we knew that when you came, as a whole family, the blessing you would be to us. And you've continued to be that. Um, Ian and Morag in their different ways, and each of the children, are the blessing they've been to us as a church. I remember um, Annalise and Philip coming. We actually met them on a Saturday night. Um, because on a Saturday night, we were having a farewell uh, party for Mary, who had worked with us for many years, 
and Annalise and Philip were sussing out where our church was outside, and they met someone who was in distress. And so they came in, saw the lights, and they found people who might help. And then the woman who was in distress just disappeared. <sighs> An angel, maybe. But we made the contact, and I remember Annalise coming. I wasn't part of any of that, uh, the help outside, because well, I just wouldn't be able I was dancing to come on Eileen, um, to be honest. And I wouldn't have been much help outside. Um, but I remember Annalise and Philip coming for the first Sunday, and I remember them crying, oh, Annalise crying. And I thought she'd been friends with Mary and was really upset. And she said, I said to her at the end of the service, I'm like, you must be very upset she's leaving. She said, I have no idea who that woman is. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and Annalise saying, I'm not sure I believe any of this. But I just need help. And just being able to journey with Annalise and Philip over the years. And the gentleness of people like Janet. And others who've been friends and just supported. And Ian, I remember when you came to church for the first time. We prayed for you beforehand because Annie, who, if you don't know Annie, um, if you're a visitor to our church, the thing you need to know about Annie is that she can't hold water. Um, so she told us all about you. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Shy, retiring, <laughs> not wanting to draw attention to herself. She told us about you, Ian, and we prayed for you much before we ever met you. And so when you came to church on that Sunday, and you came in your suit, you did. You were the smartest person in church. <laughs> and uh, we, in a sense, in a real sense, we were ready for you. We were made ready for you. And you were welcome from the moment that we'd heard about you. <laughs> Let's not overdo it, Ian. <laughs> you just came to church, mate. That's all that happened. <laughs> but we kind of, each of you, with your stories, with your own journeys, and your own journey of faith, it's been a privilege to be part of it. It's been a privilege to be part of it. I want to just reflect for a moment on some of those stories, but I want to talk about... A phrase that was sort of bouncing around in my head during the week, and it's about extravagant inefficiency. And uh, it's a strange phrase, but let me, let me work with it and let me explain it to you. Let me show you um, a, a slide first. Some of you might have seen this story during the week. It's a brilliant story, I think. This guy is called Deke Duncan, wow. although his real name is Eric Thorpe. But he renamed himself Deke Duncan. Um, and he is 73 years old, and he lives in Stockport, and he is a DJ. And he has been a DJ of his own radio station for 44 years. It's a pirate radio station with a listenership of one. His wife. This guy... He's had two wives, and when you hear the story, you might understand why. But 
This guy down in Hertfordshire for many years decided back in the 70s that he, it was at the, the time of Radio Caroline and all that sort of stuff, and he wanted to do, he wanted a pirate radio station. So he started it from his shed, but he couldn't get a license and he didn't want to get caught, so he just transmitted it to his living room. <laughs> where his wife would listen to the radio show that his, her husband was doing. And um, in 1974, he was on Nationwide, which, uh, again, a program some of you older might remember. But they did a little program on it. And on, in Nationwide in 1974, he talked about how, uh, on several occasions, his whole listenership goes shopping. And, um, but he continues, he continues, and he always continued to, um, to run the show. His first wife left him. <laughs> And um, just to show you that there's always hope, he found another woman who was exactly the same and was willing to listen to him from a shed um, for 25 years. Kind of like, it's a brilliant story, and it? it's like, it makes, it's a brilliant story on any number of levels. One of the things it makes me feel is all the nutcases in the world are not in my family. That's the first thing. <laughs> but the second thing is, it's a wonderful story because it's almost like a parable of extravagant inefficiency. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And if you were the wife, why would you continue to listen? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, I can see, fellas, don't try it here because it ain't going to work. A lot of people are going, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> it's something about love and it's something about passion and it's something about knowing that's what I am. That's what I do. It's extravagant. Inefficiency. It's bonkers. It is bonkers. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? But there's something about Deep Duncan that goes, I'm a DJ. That's what I do. Let me tell you another story of extravagant, bonkers inefficiency. <coughs> Can you push me on, Paul, to the next slide? It's from Luke 15. The tax collectors and the sinners... We're all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. I guess not, none of us in the room, I guess, are shepherds. We don't know that world. But the phrase that's really worth just holding on to it in that parable is, suppose you had a hundred and you lost one, wouldn't you leave 99 in the open country? Now, you don't need to be a shepherd to know the answer to that is probably no. That'd be stupid. Because you've only lost one, but if you leave 99 in the open country without the shepherd, you might lose 99. 
But no, 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 no. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a parable. And it's like this. And it's almost like people listening going, that wouldn't happen, would it? And he's going, no, but can you hear? Can you hear something? Can you get the idea of what I'm trying to tell you? Extravagant inefficiency. It happened. He tells a story. Because actually, the religious folks are going, there's people, there's people here who... Who they don't really belong and they shouldn't belong. And they know they shouldn't belong. They're quote unquote sinners. They're outsiders. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a shepherd who never calls some people outsiders. But always goes and looks for them. Let me tell you about a shepherd who extravagantly inefficient. And will not give up looking for the one who got lost. Let me tell you about a good shepherd. Let me tell you a story about being lost and found. And um, again, if you just push me on, you might know that uh, this story happens as a, a trilogy of stories in that same passage. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, a woman who's searching for the coin that she's lost. And there's a story, a really famous story, about a lost son who goes into a far country and wastes it all, and a father who goes, I will not stop looking for you. The story of the shepherd, the woman, and the father is the story of someone going, you, I've lost something of such value, I will not rest until I found the thing that I value most. And Jesus was telling that story really clearly, and you're ahead of me on this. And the people he still has in mind are people like Cameron and Annalise and Ian. Very different stories, very different backgrounds, but actually people who at some stage or other go, actually, I'm going to live this, I want to live as a found person. Ian telling a story, just the brief snippet of a story that is very rich, that is very full. A life that was lost, but that was found. Found in part through a woman leaving food on the doorstep. Annalise, a woman who felt like her life was just slipping away, found in part through the kindness of individuals in a church who wrap their arm around them and say, actually, you're not lost. You're not lost to God and you're not lost to us. Cameron, growing up, to be honest, mate, I know you were worried that your story is not as dramatic. I know that was a concern. You are the blessed of all because you don't have to live that way. <laughs> Surrounded by a family that love you, Surrounded by a, a family who are secure and you're secure in. But actually, that important phrase that I paraphrased, not inherited faith, it's my faith, it's mine. I'm found. Even from within the Christian family, I'm found. Why would a shepherd go and look for one and leave 99? Because the 99 know, <laughs> if I get lost, he'll come for me too. 
because that's the sort of shepherd we've got. So today we celebrate three lives who go, I've been found. We baptize and uh, we are in the rich tradition of 2,000 years. This is a weird, weird ritual, let's be honest. And, and, you know, and because we are who we are, we just try and make it a little weirder by not having any baptistry in the building. So we, we just make it more difficult for ourselves just to show how strange this actually is. This is, this is strange. It's not, I mean, we could just shake hands, couldn't we, and say, you're in. But no, 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 no. No, no, we make it much more difficult. We have to find a tub. We have to have someone here in the dark of the night, and that's Charlie, who, bless him, has been here since stupid o'clock, filling and heating. Heating. Don't get your hopes up too far, but heating. A pool. And why do we do it? We do it because, because in the world of Jesus, he said a simple thing. He said, I want you to go out into the whole world And I want you to tell this world that it's not lost. That the shepherd is actually coming to find the lost. And when you find those people and they accept, Annalise, take the hand. I want you to baptize them. And you go, what? And it was like, it is that picture of water. It is that. There's also, it's a rich, rich picture. It's a picture of a people going through water. Of, and if you know your Bible at all, you might remember the parting of the Red Sea. You come out of Egypt, you come into a promised land. A place where we were oppressed and a place where we're free. You might know that idea of actually this water was, it's, it's kind of, it is the sort of stuff where we wash. It's, it's the cleaning. It's the cleansing. It's this idea of actually I am clean. I am baptized. Those wonderful sort of affirmations you shout back. When I feel rubbish about myself. When I feel like a sinner. When I feel like I don't belong. You have been baptized. And then Paul, lastly, he uses the picture of being buried. You've been to baptisms before. You know how this works. We get hold of them and we push them under. <laughs> All right? We push them right under. I was uh, chatting with uh, Glenn. Glenn was chatting to me before the service, telling me about one minister who wanted the water so high that not even the nose would be unbaptized. It's like, <laughs> we want you to go under. Because it's a visual reminder that you have died to the old way and we raise you to life. You are a new creation. And for 2,000 years we've been doing it in all sorts of ways. Sometimes, I don't know why I'm pointing here because there's nothing here. Um, (laughs) But in some churches you've got a a stone font that's 1,000 years old. In other places they use rivers or seas. In other places, they would have a sort of a tank inside a building like this. We've got a hot tub that does bubbles as well, actually, but we'll probably not use them because we, we do have some decorum. You see, the how is less important than the why. 
The how is not the big deal. It doesn't matter if you get sprinkled or you get drenched or you get pushed under. It really doesn't matter. The point is, actually, this is my life. I was lost, but now I'm found. Final slide. This is a song, isn't it, that we sang by a man who once upon a time was a slave trader and had an encounter with God where he knew that all his rottenness actually could be forgiven. What sort of person are you if you've dealt in human lives? Newton knew that actually that he had not been a good man. But he knew that God had got him and that he'd been forgiven. That's why he wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found because the shepherd came. Because he left 99 and he came and he looked for me. I was found. I was blind. But now I can see. Today we celebrate the work of God in three ordinary people's lives whose lives are very different from one another, but all have been found by the good shepherd. All of them. The shepherd who says, I'll go to the cross and rise from the dead so that things can be right. You don't need to work hard. I've done the task. And when Ian said before, he kept sort of pointing behind him, I want to nail my colors to that mast. That's the mast. The one behind us, in the middle. It's the cross and Jesus. He's the one that makes it possible. He's the good shepherd, the extraordinary, inefficient one. Who doesn't do en masse, but he comes for you. Because you're different. And you got lost in a different way than everybody else. But he's come and found you. And the question is, for those of us who sort of like teeter, and for those who have been baptized again, the, that constant thing of, and I'll take your hand, I'll take your hand, I'll take your hand. You can be lost and insist on staying lost. Or you can be lost and go, I'm delighted you came. Because I needed to be found. The brilliant, extraordinary, extravagant inefficiency of God that comes and finds us. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. Ian, do you want to come back with the band and just start? And while you're playing in the background, we're going to pray for these folks. And um, with each of them, in fact, you, you're going to be praying first, Ian, because I'm going to ask you to pray for Ken. Um, each of them uh, have got a sort of like a different configuration of people who are going to baptize them. And... Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to stand in a moment and we're going to ask those three to come to the front again. Don't get comfy. <laughs> and we're going to pray for you. And uh, Annalise and uh, Ian, we're going to ask you to come front. And I'm going to ask then Ian to pray for his son, Cameron. And then I'm going to ask um, Natalie if you'd pray for Annalise. And then Annie, you come and pray for Ian. Annalise and Ian, do you want to come and join us? And then you two that are going to pray, do you want to come and stand as well? We'll give you a microphone so you can be heard.
Ian, do you want to start us off? Lord, we thank you for this amazing day. Thank you for the reminder, not just for, for these three people, but for those of us who've also been found by you, that each one of us is precious to you. Thank you for Cameron, Lord. And whilst he doesn't feel that his story is that dramatic, Lord, we thank you that each one of us has to make a decision in our lives. Each one of us has a, the door of our heart knocked on by you. Each one of us has the, the whisper of God at, at different points in their lives. And for, for Annalise and for Ian, it's different. For, for Cameron, it's now. Thank you for the journey that we're on, the journey that he's on. Thank you for the people you've put around him. Thank you that it's just the beginning of a, of a story for him. And we ask what he's asked to pray, which is, Lord, that you'd guide him. In a sense, it doesn't really matter what he does in his life, but Lord, each one of us needs to know what, who we are. Like that DJ, we need to say, this is who I am. This is who you've made me. This is what makes me feel alive. This is where I'm useful. I pray that for Cam that he'd find that but above that we pray what he said which is whatever whatever we do whatever we job we do whatever place we live whoever we are in relationship with Lord may he know you may he know you more and more for Annalise we're thankful for your love to her Lord we're thankful that you have been with her throughout her journey throughout her life and we thank you that she's just come to know your love in a very real way in a very personal way thank you for the gift of forgiveness Lord that she's received thank you for your peace thank you for your strength thank you that you're the God of all comfort and you're the God of all hope and I thank you that Annalise has experienced the transformation that comes from holding your hand. The transformation that comes from saying, I choose to trust you, Jesus. Lord, we are delighted today to be witnesses of this amazing thing that's happening right now. We thank you, God, that you're the God that can fill her with your hope. You fill her with your strength. You give her courage for each day. We thank you that she's come to know you, Jesus. She's come to know the depths of your love. May she always rest in the confidence of your love. May she always know that you will never leave her or forsake her. We pray for your presence to always surround her. And as she grows in grace, as she grows in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, her Lord, may she know your deep joy, your deep peace, and may she walk with you forevermore. I speak blessing. I speak strength. I speak resurrection power and life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Father, we thank you for Ian and for the way that he has been our burning bush since he joined this church. We thank you that he has been a miracle unfolding before our very eyes. We thank you that out of his brokenness, you have created something special. We thank you that Ian is a gift to this church. We thank you for, for the way that he's committed himself, not just to the church, but to the vine where he's found his niche, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you are changing Ian by the power of your spirit from one degree of glory into another. And Lord, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the <laughs> shadow of the Almighty. And Lord, I pray for Ian that he would know that rest, that peace, that freedom from guilt. I pray that he would walk with you boldly and I pray that he will be in a position where he can share his amazing story in other Christian communities. Lord, that is his heart's desire. And I pray that he will continue to be a gift, not just to us, but to others who need to hear a message of hope and of forgiveness, of grace and of mercy. And I ask all this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.